Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Martin Schubert with Schubert Farms in Lincoln, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, farmers down in the Rio Grande Valley are facing some serious water challenges right now. Multiple years of drought and a lack of cooperation from Mexico have made big cuts in their water supply. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With another down year for cotton production in the Texas High Plains, these are tough times for cotton gins. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about an effort to give gins some help. A wetter than normal and cooler than normal month of October for the state of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and the forecast for the first full month of autumn on Texas Ag Today. Texas voters will have the opportunity to vote on Proposition 1 in the next few weeks. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have an update on the Texas Right to Farm Amendment coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Rio Grande Valley farmers are dependent on irrigation water from the Falcon and Amistad reservoirs, and the outlook for that water is not good right now. Those water sources are managed with a treaty between the U.S. and Mexico. Sam Simmons is a valley farmer who grows corn, sorghum, cotton, and sugarcane, and he says Mexico is not holding up its end of the treaty. We're about where we were last year. Uh, we had a little bit of rainfall, but uh, the water behind Amistad and Falcon is quite a bit down. Uh, we really haven't gotten a whole lot of help from Mexico. They tend to view the water treaty a little bit differently than we do. And uh, they, they really haven't been releasing the water that they should be releasing. And that has farmers very worried about next year's crop. It's kind of put a damper on spirits. In the area, you know, people are looking at this upcoming crop for 2024, wondering if they're going to have an irrigation. In fact, I've heard that some districts are going to be issuing negative allocations coming up pretty soon. So, you know, uh, not exactly an ideal situation, especially for those of us with crops like sugarcane that are pretty water intensive. Simmons says valley farmers are hoping that El Nino will bring more rain in 2024 so they aren't as dependent on irrigation. 
The number of hogs and pigs here in Texas declined by 20,000 head over the past year. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 1.18 million head of hogs and pigs in Texas September 1st. That's down from 1.2 million at the same time last year. The U.S. hog and pig inventory was 74.3 million, up slightly from 2022. The number of market hogs in Texas was unchanged September 1st at 1.03 million. The breeding inventory in Texas was down 20,000 head to 150,000. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA is launching a new insurance product for weaned calves, and cow-calf producers right here in Texas can give it a try. The weaned calf risk protection policy offers actual production history coverage for cow-calf producers to ensure revenue from their spring calving operations. The coverage provides for a decline in price and loss of yield due to a decrease of overall weaning weight. The new policy will be offered in January of 2024 and only offered in four states, Texas, Colorado, Nebraska, and South Dakota. Texas High Plains cotton gins are facing some tough times right now. James Hunt tells us two years of poor cotton crops have put the gins in a bind. It will be a while before we have anything like final numbers on this year's cotton production in the Texas High Plains, but it seems pretty obvious this will be a down year. Back in the spring, a lot of area cotton acres were lost when heavy rains prevented many farmers from getting seed planted. And for much of the cotton that did get up and going, a hot, dry summer took its toll and abandonment rates looked to be high again. I say again because last year also saw a lot of cotton crop failures. It's been a hard time for farmers, but Cody Besant of Plains Cotton Growers says cotton gins are also suffering, and in fact, we've lost some in the region. We saw roughly four to five that actually were terminated this previous crop year just because of a lack of volume and throughput, unfortunately, and and we very well could see some consolidation or mergers this year or some that very well may not open moving forward. Uh, We hope that's not the case. Uh, Hopefully, they will remain viable because we need infrastructure. An effort is underway to persuade Congress to provide some help. Besson says Plains Cotton Growers is seeking legislative action to provide disaster-related assistance for cotton gins and potentially other infrastructure segments of the cotton industry, such as warehouses, that have a vested interest in the cotton production directly related to producers. We are having some discussions of how do we shore up better risk management tools that can maybe piggyback off of what producers have today in the form of crop insurance, but also have uh, better tools moving forward for infrastructure to tap into to help mitigate some of the risk that's beyond their control. While a permanent risk management program is the eventual goal, Besant is hopeful that at least a one-time assistance measure could be approved by the end of the year. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. October may be a wetter and cooler month for Texas. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the October forecast. My guest from Fort Worth is National Weather Service uh, meteorologist in charge, Tom Bradshaw. And, and Tom, we're into October and the first full month of fall. And uh, what is that forecast looking like as far as temperatures and rainfall chances this month? 
Well, good to be with you again, Tom. And Ian, I, I finally got some good news for folks. I mean, it's been a long haul all summer long, very hot, very dry. We're starting to see signs that we're going to have our first substantial widespread rainfall event across Texas during the first uh, week to 10 days of October. And that's going to be a huge welcome relief for a lot of folks that have, uh, are experiencing severe drought across the state of Texas. So we're, we're not only going to see uh, at least the first, probably third of the month of October, we're going to see a little bit wetter than normal. But we're also going to see things, uh, conditions a little bit cooler than normal. Temperatures are finally going to you know, drop out of the 90s and, and actually a lot of the 80s. And we'll probably see 70s and lower 80s across a good part of the state for the next uh, 10 days or so. And then looking further out, the rest of October looks uh, generally seasonable, maybe a little bit wetter than normal, believe it or not. So we might actually see these rains continue through the remainder of October, which, which would be a huge relief for all of us here in the Lone Star State. Texas farmers and ranchers are wanting to uh, still cut some hay and plant some cool season forages and crops, so this weather will uh, be uh, good for them when they uh, move forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, obviously, uh, you know, rain can sometimes impact uh, folks in terms of their kind of tactical activities. But I think looking at the big picture, this is certainly going to help folks in terms of, you know, having a little bit uh, wetter soils uh, as we go into the winter months. That is Tom Bradshaw. He is National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas voters will have the opportunity to vote on Proposition 1 in the next few weeks. Gary Joyner visits with the author of the amendment. I'm in Uvalde, where we've just completed a town hall meeting in Uvalde regarding Proposition 1, the constitutional amendment protecting the right to farm and ranch in Texas. With me today is State Representative Dwayne Burns, the author of HJR 126, the enabling legislation for the proposition. Chairman Burns, uh, your audience today, mostly farmers and ranchers, those in agriculture. What did you sense about their enthusiasm for Proposition 1? Well, we had a great crowd out there today. They were um, uh, pumped up about the proposition, eager to learn and eager to hear about how, uh, how important Proposition 1 is to both rural and urban Texas. And um, uh, really excited, I think, to go share the message with their, with their family, friends, employees, and employers. What is the outlook for the proposition in terms of expected turnout, the level of interest? What's your sense? Well, I think, you know, historically, uh, November elections or, or uh, constitutional elections are, are typically low turnout elections. So we don't think there will be a, a particularly high turnout, uh, which makes it all the more important that we get our family, friends, and, and everyone out there. Early voting will start in October, October the 23rd, I believe. And so uh, get out there and vote early. Uh, is our message. And then on November 7th, if you haven't, get out there and vote on November 7th. There are 14 propositions on the ballot. How fortunate is the right to farm and ranch Proposition 1? Man, it is truly a blessing to have our proposition, the uh, Right to Farm Act, uh, Proposition 1. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a faith, faith guy. And uh, I do have to believe that there was some divine intervention in that. And, uh, and, and we'll take all the help we can get. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but you know, the outlook is good. Uh, we're excited to have Prop 1 on the ballot. Um, and, uh, but the, the outlook is good. We're, we're, there will be some opposition. So it's important for us to get out there and work uh, to contribute to the Right to Farm pack and to, uh, to spread the message among our neighbors and friends about the importance uh, and the things that this amendment will do to uh, really protect the future of Texas. That's State Representative Dwayne Burns of Cleburne. I'm Gary Joyner in Uvalde for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There could soon be more ocelots in Texas. 
I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And EPM is a neurological disease in horses that can be successfully treated in most cases. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 one protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Political ad paid for by Right to Farm Texas PAC. Learn more about Proposition 1 at righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number two, farmtexas.com. Political ad authorized by Right to Farm Texas PAC. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. EPM is a neurological disease in horses that can be successfully treated in most cases. But Dr. Bob Judd says there are some fears of resistance developing to the treatment medication. Antibiotic resistance and intestinal parasite resistance are serious problems in the United States. Although this disease is not caused by a bacterial organism or an intestinal parasite, resistance developing is a concern as we only have two approved products to treat the disease. Dr. Nicola Pasterla indicates in the horse publication that it is unlikely that resistance would develop as antiprotozoal drugs would generally need to be overused to allow resistance to develop. This is not happening at this point as these products are expensive and are only being used when necessary. Also, the life cycle of the protozoan that causes the disease shows us that even if resistance is selected in a particular animal, the resistant organism dies with the host, and resistance does not transmit to other animals. The rare instance that the resistance would transmit would be if opossums scavenged the carcass of a dead horse. The life cycle of the parasite is involving the definitive host, which is the opossum, and several intermediate hosts, including skunks, raccoons, cats, and armadillos. Opossums are commonly infected by ingesting food or contaminated water, but the organism cannot be spread from horse to horse, and the organism is not usually found in the tissue of horses, so scavenging would be unlikely. Some vets are recommending to use the drug that kills the parasite once weekly to prevent infection versus using it daily as a treatment. This is still unlikely to lead to resistance, but it is recommended to only use this prevention during the risky season, when the horse is stressed for shows or when opossum exposure is expected. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There could soon be more ocelots in Texas. Jessica Domo looks at the ocelot recovery efforts in today's wildlife report. The public can now weigh in on a proposal that would reintroduce endangered ocelots to areas of the Rio Grande Valley while protecting landowners in the area. 
The proposed programmatic safe harbor agreement was developed by the East Foundation, a South Texas ranching operation and agricultural research organization. Under the agreement, the East Foundation agrees to release ocelots onto a portion of its San Antonio Viejo Ranch in Jim Hogg and Starr counties, where unoccupied ocelot habitat has been identified. Neil Wilkins, CEO of the East Foundation, joins us with more. What a safe harbor agreement does, particularly for private lands, is it takes away the fear that the Endangered Species Act is going to be enforced when you do good things. If we're going to release ocelots into a new area, which we've proposed to do to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, we don't want to be held to the same constraints they would normally impose upon landowners for incidental take and conservation measures to maintain that population over time. If it's an experimental population and we're releasing ocelots into an area with the chance of creating a new population and really investing in that, we don't want ourselves or any of our neighbors or any other rancher in the nearby area to be constrained in their land use activities. The Fish and Wildlife Service allows that, but they only allow it if you go through a permitting process, and that's the safe harbor permitting process that we're going through right now. The released ocelots will come from a breeding and behavioral program that will be established in Kingsville. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The volatility continues in the cattle market with a big drop in cattle futures on Tuesday. We'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. Find more information by visiting tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a big drop in the livestock markets on Tuesday. The job openings report that came out Tuesday morning had a bearish effect on the entire livestock complex. That report showed a spike in job openings, and that news will likely ensure an increase in interest rates coming up at the end of the month. The cattle complex did not take the news very well. Feeder cattle got hit the hardest, but live cattle dropped also. October live cattle down 230 at 182.12. December down 270, 185.60. February down 287 at 190.30. Look at this drop on the feeders. October feeder cattle down 472 at 248.60. November down 535 at 250.35. January feeder cattle down 507, 254.27. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices were lower Tuesday. Choice down 46 cents, 302.62. Select down 23 at 276.55. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Rodney Butler, Beville Livestock. Sales them every Friday. Rodney, how was the sale this last week? Oh, we got along real good. We had some good cattle. They sold good. Market's a little softer in, in different categories, but overall, a pretty good sale, sir. Walk the pins with us, Rodney. All right, we had 320 head of cattle, one horse, and 12 goats. And that old market was, it was steady, maybe a little softer. Your 200, 300 pound steers, 280 to 325. Heifers, 230 to 260. 300, 400 pound steers, 226 to 280. Heifers, 212 to 285. 400, 500 pound steers, 228 to 270. Heifers, 206 to 233. 500, 600 pound steers, 214 to 240. Heifers, 194 to 225. 600, 700 pound steers, $1.98 to 217. Heifers, $1.88 to 214 and your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.99 to 210 and heifers were $1.75 to $1.88. Packer cows sure enough are strong and packer bulls cows brought from $39 to $1.03. Packer bulls brought from $68 to $1.23. Stocker cows brought anywhere from $65 to $1.23. Bread cows $700 to $1,360 and our pairs we had Friday brought anywhere from $1,000 to $1,775 sir. Are you aware of anything coming for this next Friday Rodney? Yes, sir. I know of a set of yellow calves coming. There'll probably be about 80 of those yellow calves. They're going to be big. They're going to weigh around that five, five to six and a half. Then I got another set of black calves coming also. That'll be really good calves. So, yeah, I'm going to have a good start to this next week's sale, sir. Rodney Butler, Beaver Livestock, sells them every Friday. We talk to him on Sunday evening for Monday and on Thursday night for Friday. Rodney, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, you can reach me there at the sale barn, 361-358-1727, or you can call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Rodney, thanks so much for being on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble, neighbor. I put it together. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed mixed Tuesday. The nearby October up 12 cents, 79.97. December down 42 at 69.07. Class 3 milk finished lower. October milk down 7 cents, 16.9400 weight. The cotton market usually doesn't take negative economic news very well, but considering it held its own on Tuesday, we only dropped slightly with the December cotton contract down 32 points, 87.43, March cotton down 32 at 88.27, while May was down 29, 88.89. Corn market finished slightly lower. USDA reporting on Monday that 23% of the nation's corn crop is now harvested, That is slightly above the five-year average pace of 21%. December corn down one and a quarter, 487 and a half. March corn down one and a half, 502 and a quarter. May corn down one and three quarters, 510 and a half. The wheat complex managed to bounce higher. One thing that may have helped that is USDA reporting an export sale to China of 8.1 million bushels of soft red winter wheat. That sure helped out the soft wheat market in Chicago. Hard wheat seemed to follow that move upwards. December Kansas City wheat up six and a half, six eighty-three and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up three and three quarters at five sixty-eight and a half. In the energy markets, November natural gas up ten cents at two ninety-four. November West Texas crude up sixty-four at eighty-nine forty-six a barrel. The financial markets hit hard by that economic news we mentioned earlier. The Dow dropping 496 points at 32,937. The NASDAQ down 274, 13,033. The S&P down 66 at 4,222. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. 
My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.